Well, busy day today. Almost all of the federal party leaders are right here in B.C. as we get ready for Election Day tomorrow. Today is the final day of campaigning and uh, no surprise that the leaders are making this final push and trying to connect with voters. Uh, Let's bring in Tom Vernon now. He is a a provincial affairs reporter with Global News. Uh, He's been covering the campaigns and is here to talk a little bit more uh, as we are in the final day of the campaign. Tom, thanks so much for taking some time with us. Hey, happy to be here. Uh, what, where are you and what, what camp are you covering today? So yeah, I was a kind of a, a late addition to this. So I'm uh, covering the NDP this, uh, this weekend. So I'll be with Jagmeet Singh today. I was with him yesterday as well in, in his final push here in uh, what's really become Battleground, B.C. And he's been uh, getting a lot of crowds and certainly uh, very uh, boisterous and energized groups uh, following him and coming to his events. Mm-hmm. Well, think of the start of the campaign. The the NDP was actually, I believe, trailing the the Green Party here in British Columbia. But uh, things have really turned around for that party. They they say they they've run a really good campaign. They say they're seeing uh, a lot of momentum shift. And now the most recent poll done for Global News by Ipsos shows it's, it's a three way race between the Conservatives, the NDP, and the Liberals. Here, they're all between that. 24 and 28 percent support. So we had uh, a couple stops yesterday with the campaign here. We were following them. Uh, they had a stop in Vancouver on Granville, I believe it was. Uh, there were like 2,000 people there. And then they went out to Penticton last night. They were expecting a couple of hundred people in Penticton. Well, they got that couple hundred people in the room pretty quickly, and there were still a couple hundred outside. They couldn't fit into the room. So uh, Jagmeet Singh actually had to hold a little bit of a, a small rally outside to those people who couldn't get in the room before actually going inside and, and speaking to those supporters as well. So the party is very excited, very happy with where their campaign is going. Uh, today as well, uh, the final day of the campaign, uh, he's going to be in Vancouver and Surrey. Uh, is he targeting specific ridings in those two, the two cities today? Yeah, and my, my understanding of the exact writings down here, it's, I'm from Alberta, I should admit that, uh, is, is not so great, but they're tar- they, they see opportunity down here. They think that they can grab a lot of seats in this lower mainland. Again, yesterday they were talking about housing affordability, obviously a big issue in the lower mainland here. So I, I couldn't tell you exactly what those specific seats are, but they, they, want, they think they have a shot in a lot of seats down here. So uh, every, every campaign stop they make, there's obviously strategy behind it. So, yeah, I, I believe they're going to support some specific folks there. And have you had a chance to talk to people? I know uh, you've been at the events with a lot of the supporters out, mm-hmm. and obviously those are people that uh, are decided and are supporting mm-hmm. this particular uh, party. I had put the call out for listeners this morning to if there are issues that people think that aren't being addressed. Have you been able to talk to people at all and see uh, what people are actually talking about on the on the street? Uh, a little bit. Not like, once again. Sorry, I was I was late to the campaign, so I, I haven't talked a lot down here. I'm from Alberta, so obviously the issues there are different than they are here. But it's really interesting. Yesterday, they were talking about that affordable housing. They were talking about pharmacare and the affordable. Uh, medications and that. And you're right, these are decided people who are decided to show up to rallies, people who are uh, you know, obviously longtime members or longtime supporters would show up to rallies. So those issues are really resonating with them. And there was one woman yesterday speaking about affordable housing where she compared the idea of buying home to the idea of moving in a castle. So the, the, the message that Jagmeet Singh is bringing is really resonating with people like her talking about affordable housing. And interesting, you mentioned, too, that you're, you normally are covering uh, politics and issues in Alberta. Uh, do, you, mm-hmm. do you get a big sense? Or obviously, there are different issues. It's a different voter base. Do you, what sticks out to you as far as the differences between the two provinces? 
Well, in, in Alberta, it's been a time of uh, recession for a couple of years, but still slow economic growth uh, to, to go after that. So it is uh, in, in Alberta, it's really economics. It's, it's uh, getting the economy back moving. Who can build in Alberta? It's who can build the pipeline, uh, who can get uh, Alberta oil to market. So that, that's a really big issue there. There's, there's not going to be any surprises in Alberta or very few surprises in Alberta on election night. Right. That province is going to go blue. Uh, there might be a, an NDP seat in Edmonton in, in, the, in the heart of that city. Linda Duncan, the longtime NDP MP, is, uh, has retired. So there's an open race there. You know, Amarjeet Sohi and, and Randy Boisson, a couple of liberals are in Edmonton. They're in pretty tight races. So we're not going to see many surprises in that province. A lot of conservatives coming out of there. Uh, a lot of economic concerns, and, and, and that is conservative country in Alberta. Uh, British Columbia, like what's really interesting here is to, to see the battlegrounds, to see what's, what's happening here where it's, it's really a three-way race and pretty tough to predict how the seats are going to, uh, are going to wind up on election night tomorrow. Uh, were you surprised at all? And not that it's uh, really an election, uh, an election issue. Well, I mean, it's an election issue, but uh, the uh, the visit of Greta Thunberg in Alberta. Uh, were you surprised at all at the, the response or how many people came out and rallied and came out when she spoke? Not at all, because a couple of weeks earlier, there was a large climate rally in Edmonton. And then a couple of days after that, there was the Oh, I can't remember the name of the group, but they were blocking bridges. It happened down here. Yeah, uh, Extinction Rebellion. Here. The Edmonton one was a little less intense. It was a couple of hours, and then they were moved along. So, no, I mean, it, Alberta gets this reputation as, as, you know, it's a bunch of people that don't want to do anything on the environment. And it's, it's, there are people that are concerned about the environment and want to take action on it. So when Greta Thunberg showed up, I mean, Obviously, she's going to draw a large crowd no matter where she was. And she drew a, a crowd on both sides, right? There was that United We Roll uh, uh, convoy that rolled by to show their support for the oil and gas industry. So, yeah, it was, it was quite a large rally. It was, it was quite a turnout. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a polarizing figure, obviously. And then when she came to Alberta, it was, you know, okay, how is this going to go? And, yeah, it was, it was definitely a large rally. Uh, yeah, indeed. And it was interesting, I thought, to see uh, after that that she had another meeting uh, with some uh, First Nations mm. and First Nations leaders. And, and I think it was actually a good thing that it wasn't publicized, that they were able to go and meet and speak and not uh, make it all flashy, a big flashy event. Uh, but it seemed uh, like that uh, like perhaps more was done or more was accompl- not, maybe not accomplished, but uh, yeah. that that was a more... Um, a better conversation perhaps or, or a, one that she wanted to have and while she was there yeah and it was it was an interesting conversation right because there was it was uh, first nations leaders in the uh, fort mcmurray area um a lot of those first nations they have businesses tied to the oil sands and, and they are they're directly impacted economically by the development there but there are a lot of concerns about the impact on the land that the oil sands are having and a lot of monitoring and a lot of concerns around that so it was interesting to see that the see them speak to her about look we do have economic interests in this but there are still environmental concerns and things need to be done to to alleviate the the impact on the land that that the oil sands are having uh, well, it will certainly uh, be a, a conversation that continues. Uh, mm-hmm. As for today, uh, you are sticking with uh, the NDP campaign. I know we chatted with Abigail Beeman yesterday. She was with the Liberal uh, bus. Uh, busy day ahead of you. Not as busy as Abigail. She <laughs> has a busy day like nobody's business. The NDP actually today is just making a couple of stops, as you mentioned, and they're actually breaking early. So it'll be early afternoon after they're done in, I think Surrey is the second stop. He's doing some main streeting there. Uh, to go make that final push. And then, yeah, it's, you know, day before the election, everybody is working to get their vote out. The Conservatives are down here as well. So all three leaders are going to be in the Vancouver area uh, for a short time uh, doing uh, what they can to get seats down here. I mean, 
anybody that asks, hey, you have a prediction for tomorrow night? Are you looking and say, are you nuts? I'm not making any <laughs> predictions. Like, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, absolutely. It's probably smart uh, not to put uh, numbers out there at this point. Uh, Tom, thanks so much. Uh, have a great last day uh, on the campaign trail. And uh, thanks again so much. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. So when I voted in the advance polls, I took the dogs with me. They didn't get to vote, but I wanted to make sure they were part of the democratic process. I also didn't ask them who they thought I should vote for. They didn't get a say. But what party would you put your support behind if you were a Canadian animal? Seems like an odd question, but V. Victoria Shroff has written about this, uh, and uh, she is an animal rights lawyer. She's been on the program before, and uh, she joins us now to talk a little bit more about this. Thank you so much for being here. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. Uh, A a funny way of looking at things, but also a a way to look at perhaps some of the platforms and parts of the platforms that don't uh, get as much attention. Uh, You wrote about uh, who the animals would vote for. So maybe walk us through uh, some of the points you made. Sure. Well, so let me just start with why I even did it. I had an animal law super fan approach me and say, well, you know, you're all about the animals um, as an animal law lawyer. And I, I teach animal law at UBC Law School as well. And I thought, yeah, so where do animals stand and where do the parties stand in relation to animal issues? And so I looked at sort of the big four and started to see who was really thin on the ground in terms of platform and policy and who seemed to actually care about animals in the election. And what did you find? So so what I did was I, it seems that um, the Liberals and the Greens um, are, I think, leading the way in terms of what they've actually done, what they propose to do. I would say what I was very pleased about was spring 2019 was a really good time for animals in Canada because we had three major bills passed. Um, We had a bill relating, and this is by the Liberal government, we had um, Bill S203, and that was to amend the criminal code so that bestiality and animal fighting loopholes were closed, which which is huge for animal cruelty. Um, and then, and the criminal code applies throughout Canada, so that's that's pretty significant. And then we also had um, another bill where we would have um, no longer uh, shark finning, and so that was actually also another really good one because shark finning is really nasty. I've written about that a whole separate article about basically the entire shark is killed so the fin can be used. Um, in in soup and for certain cultures it's a celebration food and a prestige food and now that's going to be a lot harder to access for people um, and so um, those two bills and then the keeping of whales and dolphins in captivity so you know that that's pretty good um, that you know some of those things are not just promises they actually happen all right. And that's I'm, that, those are bills that were passed and uh, what we have in the book. So uh, some progress there. What about in the, the platforms themselves? Or were you able to, to glean any more information on uh, what other promises are being made when it comes to uh, animals? Absolutely. So um, I looked at, for example, the, the NDP, um, for example, they have um, a fairly robust program for what they would plan to do for animals. Um, but what I think, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say because when a, when a, when they're not in power to do something, this is, these are all just promises. So you kind of have to look at it like, well, um, you know, it wasn't really brought forth as an election issue 
But at the same time, it actually was because the environmental policies that the parties are bringing forward actually that that's going to affect animals. So so it's not a niche issue to look at just animals because you can't talk about the climate crisis and exclude animals who are part and parcel of the environment. So um, the NDP seems to have a pretty robust program on the environment, um, as the Greens do as well. And the Greens have actually got some very specific thoughts on animal welfare policies and um, animal transportation. Um, they've got a few. They've got a few ideas for improving um, the federal transport regulations for animals and so forth. And Elizabeth Mayo's called quite a few of these things out. I mean, but. She's kind of lonely uh, where she sits, you know. Right. And and I guess, too, uh, and you wrote about this, uh, the Green Party talking about an end to trophy hunting, which uh, stuck out, stood out uh, to me a bit because isn't that a provincial issue? Yeah, but the thing is, is that, you know, what happens is sometimes we look at some of these things that are that end up being start off as a provincial issue anyway, and then they end up becoming um, get on the federal stage. So I think that this is this is actually really helpful because. Um, while the Greens, I, just going back to what you said about the trophy hunting, they are going to continue to support subsistence hunting by um, Indigenous groups. So they're just basically getting rid of, like, the most brutal form of hunting. Um, you know, I mean, trophy hunting is just ridiculous. It's, um, I mean, there's just no reason to, I don't think any party should support it. Um, so there's also that, so that's part of the um, the Species at Risk Act, Um and they also say that they would put more money into helping endangered wildlife. Uh, the Conservatives, for example, say, well, we're not really going to touch the Species at Risk Act at all. And the NDP surprisingly said the same thing. They said that they would work within the existing way of the, the way the act is um, is worded now. So that's where a lot of things could actually go through as well through the Species at Risk Act. And you mentioned, too, that uh, the current or the uh, the liberal government, uh, which passed some bills uh, that, that are that are good news for animals. Uh, but at the same time, and, I, and you touched on this uh, as well, uh, with going ahead with the Trans Mountain Pipeline, uh, your concerns about some of the animals that would be impacted by that. That's a really good point. Exactly. So, I mean, I see on the one hand, the liberals have done some good things and some of their policies really indicate that, you know, we're going to create an animal welfare caucus, we're going to promise this, but you approve the pipeline. So that's a little hard to get over because how does the pipeline impact animals? Greatly. Everywhere the pipe is laid, uh, you're going to see animals being displaced. You're also going to see entire, I mean, not just, you know, non-human animals, you're going to be seeing um, all kinds of animals displaced, flora, fauna, lots of stuff is going to be decimated wherever the pipeline gets laid down. So that's what I say about you really can't um, talk about the climate crisis and not talk about animals. Um, there's also a very, very tiny party, a very lesser known party that um, is um, out there. And that's the, um, the the animal party that exists. It's called the, um, I get the exact name, is the Animal Protection Party of Canada. And they're a minor registered political party. And of course, their entire focus is on animals and the environment. And they would even establish a minister for the animals who would, quote, develop and implement policies and programs that would ultimately end their exploitation. And they also have a they've got some specific things that they say about farm animals and so forth. So so again, but they've, they're they not in power. No. And, and, and I don't think that's going to change tomorrow. 
I don't think that's going to change either. Um, you know, but it's interesting to see what some of the outlier parties are doing and saying because it can have an influence um, as to how how the major parties start to look at the issues and get um, get tweaked onto it. Um, the Conservative Party, I would have to say, is very thin on the ground in terms of their content, what's in their platform. Um, that was just one party I didn't touch on, and I'm not I'm not even going to talk about the block. I'm just not going to. <laughs> All right. That's fair. <laughs> that's uh, absolutely fair. Uh, we will leave it there, but always uh, good to talk with you. Thanks so much uh, for writing this. It's in the Georgia Strait if people want to check it out. But thanks for this and, and joining us to talk about it. Yeah. And thanks for taking your pets to the poll. That's <laughs> really great. They were upset there were no stickers this year, but they were OK <laughs> with that. Well, certainly throughout the election campaign, we have seen the candidates. We have seen the leaders. So we've also seen input from various celebrities. Rihanna's name has been bounced around. Ryan Reynolds has been involved. Pamela Anderson was seen at some campaign events with the Green Party. And of course, there was the tweet by Barack Obama. Do celebrity endorsements or celebrity involvement, does it make a difference when we are talking about a federal election campaign? Well, let's bring in Peter Chow White to talk a little bit more about this. He's a Simon Fraser University communications professor. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. Uh, Do they make a difference? Do people gravitate to when celebrities are tweeting or talking about candidates? Um, well, they must make a difference because they keep showing up when it's election time. I mean, this has been going on for many, many decades. And, uh, you know, in some cases, back almost 100 years, there's, there's evidence of this in the U.S. elections, especially. Um, so they do play a role and uh, they do probably make, they do make a difference. It must depend or there must be a factor of who the celebrity is and the background of the celebrity. Yeah, I mean, underlying all this is that, you know, you have to kind of step back and look at what politics is, and especially elections. I mean, these are uh, all about not just politics in terms of hard, uh, big P politics, federal politics, but it's also about smaller politics. There's cultural politics at play here. And that's what we call the politics of attention. And so during election, you know, uh, people are trying to get out their platforms, they're trying to connect with people. But part of that is also not too different, dissimilar from marketing and advertising. And part of that is repetition. It's about association. And it's just about getting people's attention. And this is one way to get people's attention. Uh, so let's look at a couple of the bigger ones. Um, so mm-hmm. Rihanna uh, following uh, uh, Jagmeet Singh and uh, and getting involved that way. I mean, do people really care if uh, a star like Rihanna does that? Because it doesn't do anything as far as uh, talking about the platform, talking about things that affect Canadians. It's mm-hmm. it's celebrity and it's I suppose fun for people. But does it do people really make the connection then? Well, if Rihanna likes this person, maybe I should like this person. Well, I'm not sure if it's a one-to-one sort of Rihanna is an expert on political platforms and I sort of associate with that. Uh, you know, like at Rihanna, I mean, we're talking about this on Sunday morning at 7.48 a.m. So it's had an impact, that's for sure. I, I got up early today for this one. So, Thank you. you know, uh, <laughs> not, not a problem. Happy to. Um, but it's been in a news cycle, you know, over and over again. And, and that's sort of what its, its impact is and its effect is is that it gets us talking, it gets the attention, um, it gets repetitively uh, put into the news cycle, which is one of the most critical things it does, uh, in order to raise the attention of certain um, candidates. 
Now, what impact it has is not the same across everybody. You know, who they are, uh, who they're endorsing, you know, is always directly related to, you know, who's paying attention to that. You know, uh, Barack Obama would pay it with, you know, all these very popular across a bunch of different constituencies. You know, he's uh, ten, older voters tend, would tend to see that and, and appreciate that of who he is and what he's accomplished in the world. Um, you know, but someone like Rihanna, you know, would, would be a, a lot more interesting to millennials, to younger voters. You know, she has an enormous, uh, you know, follower base on Twitter, on social media, which is critical in these things. And so, you know, who are they appealing to? Younger voters, older voters, male, female, people of color, um, conservative voters. It all depends on who the celebrity is. Uh, When Barack Obama tweeted, uh, was it Wednesday, he tweeted in favor of Justin Trudeau. Uh, Is there is there possible does it open the door to backlash as well, though? Because while a lot of people retweeted it and and supported that, there was also a, a contingent of people saying, why is a foreign leader getting involved in our federal election? Why is he even talking about this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that particular type of, you know, conversation is, is, is incredibly connected to context of why that's taking place. We've been more aware of, uh, of so-called impact or, or meddling with elections now than ever because of what's been happening in the U.S., the relationship between uh, President Trump uh, and the Russians, you know, which is still emerging, and he's about to go through an impeachment process because of that. Like, we're really, really sort of, uh, you know, keeping an eye on these things and very aware of them. I think that's probably more why that is being said than, 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 um, than anything else. Uh, you know, foreign governments, you know, manipulating and being involved in elections, that's pretty much how the Cold War worked. So, you know, it's not unusual on a global scale. It's just that in the West here, we seem to think that we're immune to these types of things. Hmm, interesting. Um, and, and as well, Pamela Anderson was in person at some uh, Green Party events. Uh, not a huge surprise at all. I think if anybody said, which party do you think Pamela Anderson aligns herself with, you would pick the Green Party based on, on work that she has done. Uh, but it's not as though that would then, I mean, if you're a supporter of the Green Party, you would already know that. It's not as though Pamela Anderson coming back to town to support the Greens would suddenly would, would open up the eyes of people who would then start supporting them. Uh, and again, Pamela Anderson would, would appeal to a certain constituency, uh, probably not younger, because she doesn't, you know, she doesn't uh, resonate as much with uh, with younger younger folks. But with older folks, they would. And I think you're kind of you're connecting, you're making a really interesting connection there. Is just that you know if they're already part of the association of them is is the work that they've already done. So the work that they've already done actually does give them some sort of credibility, which is huge. You know, are these people credible? You know, are they trustworthy? You know, and also how much, how many followers do they have? You know, and so if they've done work that's aligned with these particular parties, then those endorsements, you know, work a little bit better, uh, a little easier for constituencies to to uh, relate to. Um, but when you're trying to change the needle of the outcome of an election, you know, these larger sort of endorsements from someone like uh, Obama, you know, really can can be a game changer. Um, and, and his 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 tweet was really interesting. I, did you what did you make of his tweet? Like the tone of it and. And I wonder what you thought about it. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was a little bit out of left field, but I mean, not surprising. If I think if anybody asked who do you think Barack Obama would support, that's probably what you would what you would pick. But I did wonder why he. I, I mean, I guess also saying that that I think because he referenced working with Justin Trudeau, and I, I don't know that they would have worked together all that much. I found the work together thing. I, I felt like I was reading the LinkedIn page. To be perfectly <laughs> honest. <laughs> The tone, I mean, Barack Obama is so casual. I mean, he's just so good at that. Like, he is a pro's pro kind of thing, right? It's like the Michael Jordan of politics and rhetoric, you know? But 
when I read that, just like, is this the bottom of Justin Trudeau's LinkedIn profile? It was just, it was so, just, it was so accessible. It was so, yeah, I worked with this guy. He's a good dude. I was just, it was, it was quite funny the way he'd written it. So, which, which also shows that, you know, it was very supportive, but, you know, was it over the top? Was it, you know, saying certain things in certain ways? Like it was, it was kind of, it was a nod, but, you know, I guess someone like Barack, that's, that's, that has a lot of weight, not unlike Barack Obama's, uh, President Obama's own campaigns, where he had someone like Oprah Winfrey endorsing him, which some people thought that that brought probably a million votes into play on her own, right? And, and that also, to me, it brings up another issue of when that happened and whenever Oprah does something like that, there's this huge campaign. Uh, people go to social media uh, going Oprah for president. Well, just because Oprah's a celebrity and she's she's created this empire doesn't mean she would be a good president. Do we kind of it's almost as though we give celebrities uh, too much credit in, in when it comes to politics and leadership. Yeah, well, it's, it's not unusual for celebrities to become, uh, you know, to, to go into into um, into politics, right? I mean, look in the U.S., you know, to Ronald Reagan, he was a celebrity and he became president, you know, and his, his record is, is, depending on what side of the fence you're on, you know, is, was, was a decent one. Um, you know, and then, and, and of course, you know, the, the, the reality show celebrity is in office in the U.S. So, you know, it's, it's not unusual, it's not unusual at all. Uh, do you think, does it gotten to the point where, uh, I, I mean, do these organically happen that celebrities give these endorsements or do we now have political parties actively going out and hoping to get them? Um, probably a bit of both, a bit of both. Uh, I think it would be uh, naive to think that there isn't some sort of conversations that happen uh, behind the scenes, not just about will you endorse, but how, where, when, et cetera. Absolutely. Because the celebrities get something out of this too. This is part of their personal brand. In the age of the personal brand, celebrities are building themselves and their their social media pages, their presence. This is all part of their own personal brand. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, we will leave it there. Uh, Peter Chow White, thank you so much for getting up early and to, for chatting with us today. I really appreciate it. Not, not at all. Happy to. Happy to. Thanks for having me. Well, as you likely know, tomorrow is election day, a busy day and a busier evening. Our election special here on CKNW as well as on Global BC all starts at 7 p.m. And there is going to be a lot happening in those final hours as we start getting the results. Charles Adler, who you know from this station, usually on these airwaves a little bit later on in the day, is going to be part of the election coverage. And he joins me now to talk a little bit more about where we are now and what's going to be happening today and tomorrow. Charles, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Jill. Good morning to you and thanks so much for being here so early. I know you're usually uh, much, much later in the day. I uh, want to start off by uh, kind of uh, taking, getting your take on the campaign. We're now in the last day. Um, almost all of the leaders are in BC today. What are your thoughts on the campaign? I think uh, geography matters, or as they say in the real estate, uh, location, location, location. It's interesting to me, and uh, maybe to you, Jill, and, and our audience today, that uh, Justin Trudeau was in Calgary yesterday, had a huge reception there, thousands of people loving on Justin Trudeau in Alberta. And today, Justin Trudeau is wrapping up the campaign in Vancouver. Now, one of the reasons I find that interesting is because all of his opponents are here in the part of the world that I'm in right now, in the Toronto area, the greater Toronto area, and specifically, they're visiting the so-called 905 region, the, the suburbs which sort of ring around Toronto. And that, those are the major battlegrounds in this country. It would appear that if Justin Trudeau is not spending his last days here in 905, but rather out on the coast, that he pretty much thinks that he's done very well in 905, or at least that's what his team thinks. 
And if they're correct, if they did do very well in 905, Justin Trudeau stays prime minister. Interesting. And obviously their internal polling numbers, uh, they keep that to themselves, all the parties do. But uh, you're right, there's got to be some, obviously it's strategy and uh, that uh, goes into where everybody is today. Well, I think they're very confident, of course, uh, the most important aspect of all elections, I don't care which country you're in, is, is the turnout. So it doesn't matter what your internal polls, external polls and all the other polls, what, what they say. If, 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 if your base doesn't come out and uh, some other people who are not part of the base if they if they don't show up, then you know nothing else matters. And some of the pollsters are actually reluctant to make predictions right now because they're having a hard time figuring out whether or not uh, you know the there is as much enthusiasm in the regular polls as there has been in the advanced polls. If the advanced polls, for most part, was just a, a matter of convenience, if they aren't really a, a canary uh, showing us in enthusiasm. Then of course uh, everything everything changes tomorrow. And uh, if 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 there isn't uh, much enthusiasm on the so-called progressive side, then Andrew Scheer becomes uh, prime minister. But if there is, if the advanced polls are any indicator of, of the enthusiasm level of the election, liberal uh, supporters and, and liberal strategists believe that they they have this. They don't think they have a, a majority, but they think they would have you know something that is all along the lines of 150 seats, which is, you know, 20 seats away from a majority. Right. Uh, you mentioned, too, uh, that uh, the other leaders, certainly a very busy day for them, because I think all of the leaders, with the exception of uh, Maxime Bernier uh, and the bloc leader, are going to be ending their day in uh, Western Canada, in B.C. Uh, I found it interesting as well that Green Party leader Elizabeth May is back on Vancouver Island, where that's her territory, where she's already got the most support, I would think, rather than uh, trying to drum up more support elsewhere. Well, I think she's hit. I think she hit a wall, and uh, I think uh, her her own people and they've got they've got polling as well, and uh, her own people have told her that the the only places she's likely to do well uh, are in in British Columbia. So, uh, while you know th- th- this happens, uh, Jill, we have this conversation you know every four years. You know, before the campaign begins, all the polls show that the Greens are doing really well, and oh my goodness, they they could leapfrog the the NDP, and then something happens called a campaign. And uh, the Greens tend to dwindle, except, of course, where there is some enthusiasm for them in British Columbia. At at the moment, they would still appear to be a a rump. Uh, They've got a ways to go before they become a sort of a a major political organization or a real a real party. What are your thoughts as well on the nastiness of the campaign that we've seen? I think there's always nastiness when there's no central ballot issue. I mean, I would put it to, to this audience today. What's the number one issue that people are voting on? And I, I put it to you right now, Jill. Is there, is there a central galvanizing core heartfelt issue that the entire country is voting on tomorrow? I don't think there is. And I've been putting that call out to listeners all morning. And the bulk of the email that I've received on it so far is people saying, I wish there was more talk of the economy. I wish there was more talk about debt. I wish there was more uh, talk about that. And that's what at least the listeners this morning that have written in, that's what they they say is missing and has been missing in the campaign. And I agree with the listeners. Uh, Not surprising to you. I mean, I, I, I I agree with the folks. I mean, uh, you know, when when someone has a problem in their life and they're not dealing with it, sometimes it's known as issue avoidance. And the entire campaign, I'm talking about everybody, has avoided uh, the, the central issue. 
and that the central issue has to be economic. I mean, that that's the, the most important aspect uh, of, of government that, that we depend on, because the government is the largest player in the economy, whether we like it or not. You know, uh, conservatives don't want that to happen, and, and, and maybe people who are on the progressive side want more government, but it doesn't really matter uh, what our ideals are. The, the fact is the fact, and, and, and government is the largest player in the economy, and there's almost no discussion of the economy. It's, it's, it's issue avoidance. And so you end up getting into all of this, I don't know, what, what do you want to call it? You know, personality uh, stuff, the stuff that we're going to forget about uh, six months from now and certainly six years from now. Who will honestly care uh, six days from now how many insurance policies Andrew Scheer sold or didn't sell? Yeah, no, it's a, it's an excellent point. You're absolutely right. Uh, Want to touch on what's happening tomorrow. Now, you are going to be on one of the panels uh, for the Global News coverage, and uh, everything gets underway. Going to be a very busy night. And I know we always say that the votes in the West matter. No, it does matter, because oftentimes the election is called before we're even uh, on the on the, uh, the on the boards, shall we say. Uh, what is your role going to be? What are you going to be doing tomorrow night? Well, I'm personally going to be on the talk radio panel, so I'm going to be there with uh, Danielle Smith and uh, Ryan Jesperson, two of my colleagues from Alberta, and uh, Supriya Tibetti, one of my colleagues uh, from Toronto, will be hosted by uh, Farah Nasser, who is a, uh, the, the top anchor in, in Toronto with uh, Global News in Toronto, of course. And so that's, that's going to be a piece of it. There's going to be a talk radio panel that will also be a political panel of insiders. So the insiders will you know, talk about the, the various political spins that are going on, and I guess our job is to sort of call call them out as much as possible and just speak for the people which is which is generally our role but uh you know we, we got all those all those fancy schmancy tv things happening this is the best graphics package i've ever seen it moves it's it's dynamic we've got lots of people we've got uh, you know donna friesen and uh, mercedes stevenson uh, anchoring we've got uh, david aiken who i don't know how many times you've talked to david aiken on the show but he's got this photographic memory of every single riding in Canada, more than 380 of them, and every single candidate that's running. And he's just, he's just an amazing person to be working with. And he's got this, this little magic board of his where he's going to be constantly pointing out what, what's going on in the various parts of the country. So it'll be probably the most dynamic election package that we've ever had in Canada. So from a television perspective, it'll be great. But if you're not, uh, if, you, if you don't have a screen available to you, if you're in your car or wherever it is that you, you don't have access uh, to a screen, it'll all be on, on CKNW right here. All right. Sounds great. It's going to be a busy evening for sure. Charles, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we will catch you on election night. My pleasure, Jill. Thank you.